Fred Wessel spent decades trudging through the treacherous swamp that is St. Louis politics, and now he's taking his talents to Jefferson City. The St. Louis Democrat joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair to say. I say hands to kiss and babies to shake. (laughs) But uh, no, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio in St. Louis is... Colleague, Joe Manis. And it's Wessel's Mania here and the Politically Speaking Podcast because we have... We're all as, whipped up over we have We have as our guest... <laughs> Fred Wessels. A, the state representative-elect for which which number district, by the way? District 81, which is in the southeast part of the city of St. Louis. And that was going to be my next question. What, what does this district encompass for our listeners who don't know, possibly listeners who may be your future constituents? Well, let's say it runs from uh, part of Crandallet area, Holly Hills, Dutchtown, and all the way up to uh, Marine Villa and Benton Park. Oh, okay. So it's a, basically a southeast St. Louis-based district. Exactly. The, the mighty southeast part. Didn't you used to live in southeast St. Louis City, Yes, Joe? I did. Yes, I did. Just uh, a, a little area. Um, Kosciuszko Street, we overlooked um, the river. It was uh, actually, we had a fantastic view from our um, walk up. It was beautiful area. Uh, it's had some troubles since then, but it, fabulous old house. And the, the artist who owned the building lived below us. So um, Sounds like it might have been Marine Villa. Yes, actually, we were just like in, yes, and uh, yeah, it was, it was an intriguing area there. Now, um, for many of our listeners, I assume you know, but if you don't, um, Representative-elect Wessels is a longtime political activist in the city of St. Louis, longtime alderman, ran for state treasurer a few years back. City treasurer. City, well, city treasurer. I know he's. Me. I know you're ambitious, but I don't think you Sorry. were that. Amb- you're, you're not like. You're not like. One of your predecessors, Tom Villa, Tom Villa. who <laughs> did run for state treasurer. Sorry, Brain. This happens, Jason, when you're older sometimes. Hey, it, it turned into an out. entertaining moment, but continue, Joe. <laughs> okay, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background, including the all-important question of where you went to high school. <laughs> okay, well, I uh, born and raised in uh, South City, the uh, St. Anthony's grade school, Catholic grade school, uh, Catholic high school, St. Mary's high school in South Grand. St. Louis University, bachelor's degree in business administration, master's degree in urban affairs. Um, you know, got into, uh, got a job at City, St. Louis City Hospital, got into hospital administration. I went to Saudi Arabia for a couple years with the University of Colorado Medical School. We had a, a project there to open uh, a, a, a large teaching hospital in Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia. When was this? This is 1980 through 82. Okay, okay. And um, uh, and to train Saudis to operate it and during our two-year contract. So I, I, um, I came back to St. Louis in 80, I said 80 to 82, it was actually 82 to 84. I was in Saudi Arabia, came back, um, uh, was offered a job as executive director of the St. Louis Peregrine Society, which is an organization that provides services to cancer patients in St. Louis City and County, uh, filed for the Board of Aldermen, was elected in 1985, and um, 
reelected uh, in elections until 2014 when uh, Mayor Slay appointed me as director of community development and I was there two years and then uh, retired from the city February 29th of this year, filed for the uh, state representative's job in on on the next day, February yeah. March first. I gotta ask this question because there was a talk for a while that Sam Dotson was going to run for mayor and keep his job as police chief. As somebody who basically had to give up his job to run for state rep, and your job was a six-figure job and a very important job. I know this is kind of retrospective, but did you watch that entire situation kind of in amazement that? You had to do. You had basically had to give up your city position, but Dotson wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious about that. Well, I knew, I knew when I took the job. That's the deal, and that's the deal for any director in the city. Uh, you can't file for not only be be elected. You can't file for a political office and be a city director. Yeah. And to me, uh, chief of police is on the same level in many respects as um, as a city director. So I was surprised, um, first of all, I was surprised that he that there was a state law allowing first uh, responders to essentially supersede the city charter. Um, and, and I was surprised that the chief didn't spot the problem himself well he eventually did because he's not running for mayor now but i mean and again i'm i may be blanking out a little bit here but did Harmon step down as police chief when he ran for mayor Harmon was uh my recollection is Harmon was retired because i think yeah but he must have just have i mean because i covered him as 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 chief and then when he ran yeah I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really want to get too in-depth on this because, again, it's a retrospective yeah, question. Yeah, but you brought it up. But I brought it up because <laughs> when when that happened, I was thinking about your situation because, you know, again, you're, being CDA director is not like a do-nothing job. It's an incredibly important job that doles out, you know, community development block grants. You, you get aldermen bothering you probably at all hours of the day. But it's also very rewarding when you see that money go into the communities. And, you know, you took a risk by leaving that job to run for this job. So I just thought about that. Yep. Now, um, you know, I covered City Hall in the late 70s. And then I was in Washington and then came back about the time you were elected to Board of Aldermen. Um, one of the th- interesting things for me is that the CDA, if you take inflation into account, if the, if the federal money to the CDA uh, – for the Community Development Agency had kept up with inflation, they'd be getting over $100 million a year. And, I mean, so it's changed so much from the late 70s how much federal money goes out to help cities. Mm-hmm. Um, from your perspective, at when, when you were CDA director, um, and the fact that you had been in the Board of Aldermen back in the 80s even, when there was more money going through, were there any thoughts you had as far as how you target the money or how the, the urban needs have changed and this this leads up to how this might help you in jeff city but i I am just interested in your take on that because the changes in the program over the decades well be perfectly frank with you joe one of the reasons i i was asked to to go to cda was to make some changes on how the money was uh distributed uh needed to be um 
done on a competitive, transparent uh, basis, and that's what we've done uh, for the last uh, three years. So I think you're absolutely right. The amount of money, the, the amount of federal block grant money that's available to cities now is a fraction of what it was 30 years ago. Uh, so what we need to do and what we're, what, we're, what we're on track to do now is to spend it more effectively, get more leverage out of the projects that we do fund, um, and do it in a, a non-political way. Actually, I was, I was kind of shocked that the alderman, um, when I took over at CDA, I expected a lot of pushback and a lot of complaints because we were distributing money uh, on the best projects and not on the basis of geography. Annually, how much were you getting while you were ahead? Uh, we were getting uh, $17 million. Okay, and just to put this in perspective, just so people know, when I covered City Hall in the late 70s, the city was getting close to $40 million a year in CDA mm -hmm. And that's in 1970s money. Uh, yeah, and that's in 1970s money. That's just to put this in perspective. Go on. Yeah. And it's been about 16 or 17 million now for, you know, probably four or five years at least. Now, who knows what it'll be with the President-elect Trump <laughs> well, well, situation. Well, well, let's not go well, there. Yeah. No. But, 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 but still, when, when, when you look at the projects that you're doing, are there particular things that you tried to focus on? And now that you're going to be going to Jeff City, is some of that going to play into what your focus is going to be in Jeff City? Well, I'm not sure how it's going to... Uh, I think my, the issues that I'm going to be looking at in Jefferson City are going to be di different from the ones that I... You know, different from housing and uh, urban development. Why? I'm just curious. Uh, I, I think um, I've looked at, first of all, I, this is a work in progress as, as far as what I'm going to be doing in Jefferson City. I, I, think, uh, I think I'm going to uh, look at uh, leveraging uh, Republican support and in, in going after more bipartisan issues, uh, for instance, uh, the, the um, uh, dis disabled issues, mental health issues, uh, issues that uh, I think we can. Uh, I think there's more bipartisan support on. Uh, I've put a bill in for the um, uh, drug registry. Opioid, opioid is a big problem in, in Missouri. We're the only state in the union that doesn't have a drug registry program. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a first bill. It's the only bill I filed uh, on December 1st when pre-filing yeah. began. Yeah, and just for our listeners, um, the problem of getting that bill passed has not been in the House because I think that versions of that have passed the House. Yes. The problem right. has been that once it gets to the Senate, um, Senator Rob Schaff, who is from a Republican from St. Joseph, has basically said he's not going to let it pass unless you put a referendum clause on it. And he he doesn't philosophically believe in a drug re registry. And I know there's been a lot of coverage of this issue, and it's a serious issue. But the the blunt truth is, until Schaff terms out of the legislature, I don't see a path where that could pass unless there's a referendum clause on it. And referendum clause means it would be voted on by the people. So as somebody who supports that, would that be something you'd be okay with, of having voters vote on this? Or do you fear that there's no guarantee it would pass, and that's why you wanted to do it through the legislature? 
Uh, I don't know exactly where I'd be on a referendum, but I think the uh, you know fact that about half of the state of about half the population of the state of Missouri is now covered yes. by local, county, or city uh, bills. So I think there's, and that's spreading pretty quickly. It is across the state. So I think there may be more, um, uh, more, more interest in the Senate to um, take another look at, at passing this bill. Because basically, it would basically govern the um, unincorporated real rural areas where you also have other drug problems, meth problems, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Missouri has this issue. So I wanted we talked about this when we were talking during the campaign, but both you and Donna Berenger are making kind of the transition from being aldermen who basically were part of what I would consider a majority coalition that could get things done in the Board of Aldermen to being in the super minority. And I, I, I know Donna Berenger well. She's been my alder woman for many years. And I've known you for a while. I think you both are pretty pragmatic people. Neither of you are terribly ideological. I would say that you even kind of trend to be more moderate to conservative Democrats. So my question with that as a backdrop, what's kind of your feeling about going into this new environment where you're not going to be able to get your way all the time and you're going to really have to work with Republicans to get things done? Well, that's a good question, Jason. The um, I, I always looked at myself uh, in here in St. Louis as a moderate, but in Jefferson City, I think I'm a liberal. <laughs> uh, I made a quick transition, <laughs> uh, apparently. So would that make Donna Berenger a liberal too? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. If she's listening to the show, I'm sure that she'll laugh a little bit. Yeah. And we're going to try to have her on uh, in the coming weeks. But continue. The, um, but I'm a realist, and my interest in, in politics is getting getting things done. Uh, I when I got uh, thought about getting into this, I talked to Tom Villa, who was uh, in the House for 18 years, to Jake Hummel, who's been in the House uh, eight years, and I asked him several questions. That mainly was, will I enjoy Jefferson City in in the in the state legislature? Will I be able to get anything done, given uh, the fact that we have now 46 Democrats out of 163? Mm-hmm. House I mean, members. Ten years ago, you would never have even ten years ago. Well, I you mean, would never have imagined it, even mean, though the Republicans go back had control. Thirty, forty years. Tom Dillon was the majority leader. Then. That's yes. right. So right. continue. So, uh, they both assured me that that the answer is yes to those questions, and that that um, um, even even being in a super minority, there are issues, and there are uh, that we can come together on a bipartisan basis, uh, and. Uh, that's what I plan to do and work towards. What what prompted you after all these years in the Board of Aldermen? Uh, I mean, without getting into the details on the switch to um, the CDA, but still, what prompted you to say, what the heck, I'm going to go to Jeff City and run for this office, and if I get elected, I'm going to go to Jeff City. What made you decide to do that and go to the, the General Assembly, where the climate is different than in City Hall? Well, where else was I going to go, Joe? Well, uh, I don't know. I, do, I, had, I could go. I could retire and um, <laughs> spend time with my wife, children, and grandchildren or spend more time with them. I could go back to the Board of Aldermen or I could go to Jefferson City. I don't think Beth Murphy would be too happy about that. No, but continue. No. Well, no, but my <laughs> yeah. point is, you know, 
Uh, I mean, hey, I'm we're in the same decade, I think. Uh, <laughs> what 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 prompted you to say, you know, I could do something there? I mean, well, uh, again, I talked to I I hey, I asked the same question. I asked the same question of of uh, Tom and uh, and Jake, and uh, again, they assured me that um, uh, that I could get some things done. Um, and uh, I'm I'm re- I'm going there real with realistic um, expectations. Um, this is a conservative state, you know. We're we uh, as I said before, we got 46 Democrats out of 163 seats. It's not going to be easy, but uh, you know I want to be there. I want to be a voice for the city of St. Louis. My main goal, really, overall, is to. Uh, I think the disabled and mental health issues are ones that I can uh, work with uh, some Republicans on. But also, I want to see, I want to be there to do everything I can to get whatever resources I can for the city of St. Louis. I think we get the short end of the stick when it comes to uh, resources from the state, considering what we send send to Jefferson City in the form of, of uh, tax money. But, uh, uh, you know, and I want to be there as a voice that uh, says we want, you know, we want our fair share in one way or another. Um, I'm going to make sure that that's um, part of my agenda. So one of the things that I, I have been following on social media is that your fellow freshmen from both parties have been on this bus tour. I think it ended four or five days ago. But this had to be the most tweeted out freshman bus tour I've ever seen. Um, I do recall fondly that former Senator Jolie Justice wrote a blog post about uh, her bus tour. But I was seeing this in real time, like the bus got stuck at certain points. Um, But you also you got to go to the zoo, which I'm sure was was you've never been to the zoo ever. Um, Right. You know, even though I think your wife was part of the zoo museum. She was. just tell me a little bit about what it was like to go on this tour, because I think it might be a fascinating thing for and the listeners how long to know. Did it, and how long, how long did it go on, just sort of? And did you guys spend the night in hotels, or what did you do? It was, um, it was two weeks. Uh, we started in Jefferson City both weeks, ended in Jefferson City both weeks. Uh, it started December 5th and uh, finished this past Friday. The, we went 1,500 miles. Uh, by bus, uh, we we saw state universities. We saw the uh, um, Air National Guard unit in St. Joseph. The uh, uh, social service agencies here, like St. Patrick's here in St. Louis, the the um, Independent Living Center in St. Louis, Paraquad. Spent a Boeing. We sp- we spent some time at for-profit corporations. Uber headquarters in Kansas City, the Kaufman Center in Kansas City, uh, and um, you know it was a very, it was interesting from my standpoint. Uh, I probably knew Saudi Arabia more than the state of Missouri, <laughs> uh, so so it was it was uh, informative. It was interesting. It was exhausting, uh, but. Um, uh, one of the things that really made an impact on me was how much 
these communities depend on these uh, state universities. Uh, the um, in in uh, Joplin, for instance, you got Missouri uh, Missouri Southern, Southern, Southern State Southern, University. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had no, I didn't know that university existed. Uh, it's a sixty six hundred students there, uh, a lot of employees. I mean, without that, that would be a big economic hole in Joplin if that university wasn't there, even though you've got Missouri State University in Springfield. Right, which a is a short the, drive away. Yeah, less than an hour. By you an know, hour. and you would, from an economic standpoint, one might, an economist would, would might say you ought to consolidate these you know, the universities, you ought to uh, put resources into fewer schools, but from an, you know, a political standpoint and um, the economic impact that these universities have on these towns. I mean, look at Kirksville and Truman uh, University. Tremendous. Uh, or, the, or this Air National Guard unit up there in St. Joe's. Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. without these things, m- many of these cities would be, uh, you know, different so do you guys like share hotel rooms did you um get a chance no, to know some i don't of share I, joe i don't share hotel rooms well anymore. i'm just asking uh, i know i don't either but go ahead no yeah yeah we we stayed at um believe me this was not a what i would call a luxurious trip uh particularly with the food but the um <laughs> uh the hotels were all nice we had we stayed at a drury we stayed at we stayed at uh, weston we stayed at um, you know, some they, they were all nice hotels. Uh, you know, uh, we had box lunches all the way. Usually, had lunch or breakfast. If you ate breakfast, I don't. Yeah, at the hotel. At the hotel, and then uh, you know, they they fixed the some <coughs> somebody some one of our our uh, hosts would would. Uh, which were never lobbyists because if if they were lobbyists, it would be a reportable gift. So uh, we stayed away from that sort of thing. How many people were on? Did the tour? Forty, uh, forty newcomers to the house. Had nine, I think it was thirty-nine. Nineteen uh, Republicans, twenty Democrats, and um, uh, you know it was all got along very well. And uh, and actually, you really didn't. Uh, it, there was no designation. This this man or woman is a Democrat or Republican. On the other hand, there was always a designation where you where <laughs> you're you from. from? <laughs> well, if you're not from St. Louis or Kansas City, you're a Republican. Yeah, well, that means <laughs> okay. that, yeah, there are except any... for a couple in Columbia. Yeah. Now, I want to ask this question because this this came to mind when I saw pictures of your freshman colleagues at the zoo. Um, when you went to some of these places, did they try to sell you on certain pieces of legislation? Because I know the zoo wants to have the ability to like do more taxes and get more money, which I have strong opinions about. Let's but I'm not, not going to go there. But I'm, but I'm yeah. but I'm curious if it, just more generally, when you went to some places like Uber or the zoo or these universities, did they try to say we want you to focus on this issue or that issue or anything uh, like that? The answer is. Uh, yes, some did. Uh, the um, 
one that comes to mind um, immediately is the uh, University of Missouri at Kansas City. Their, um, I'll call it their arts, uh, uh, performing arts um, school would needs more room, needs a better facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took us into their current facility. Uh, they took us to the Kaufman Center and showed us where, which, which by the way is, uh, I thought was gorgeous. Yeah. The Kaufman Center. I had never, it I've is. not been it, there. Yes, it is nice. I, I, I emailed my wife and I told her, find something that we would like in the Kaufman Center near upcoming events. I want to go back there and uh, see see a performance. But anyway, UMKC, uh, they they um, they want a new facility, uh, a larger facility, and they're going to, uh, they've got $48 million pledged locally, the state, and I don't know who they, who, who they really uh, were talking to, but the state, they say, uh, agreed to put up 48 million if they if, if they could do that locally. Uh, so now they're going to be coming to the legislature this session. They don't expect to get all the money, but they uh, it's not, I think they want to get some incremental funding. Well, you were well, you know just when you came back from all this, there's been all this discussion about you know the soccer stadium and all this and. Uh, so just looking in general, I mean, because you may be ending up, while some things have been postponed, just in general, uh, along with some of the KC stuff, you may be hearing some of these requests. Do you have any general thoughts about that, about how, whether or not the General Assembly should get into this, or because they used to, or is it something that you think they should focus on other things? Do you mean... Are you talking about sports facilities? Yes, yeah, sports, sports facilities. Because that has been an issue that the legislature has been dealing with because the Rams situation, they wanted to get involved and Nixon wouldn't let them. And well, now, actually, this goes back 30 years. But, it, but again, there's been times when the legislature has, has allocated actual money to this, and this seems to be a pretty hot topic. So what's kind of your thought on that? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think the uh, what they talked about it in the UMKC uh, arts school is different from – uh, um, you know, a, a sports stadium. Right, right. But still, the bottom line, the General Assembly has to decide on this thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll put it this way. I'm not a big proponent of the um, soccer stadium using tax funds uh, for for the soccer stadium. Uh, on the other hand, if I get down there and see that, um, you know, money's... Uh, Funds are going to this in in, in the, to this city and the other cities. Uh, then I uh, I certainly want St. Louis to get our fair share. That's understandable. I, I kind of wanted to shift gears to um, you know the political side of things. Before we get into city politics in particular, there was one thing that you got involved in that interested me greatly. Um, right after you won your primary, you were pretty strongly supportive of Bruce Franks's campaign over. Uh, incumbent state representative Penny Hubbard, and I actually saw that as a, I'm not. I, although this may be heaping flowery praise on our guest, I saw that as a pretty significant development because, you know, a lot of the people that got behind Bruce Franks were kind of the more progressive, activisty side. 
I'm not saying you're you not. Know, pro- I'm not an activist. I'm not a progressive, I, I, Jason. I, I, no, I don't. A, you, you said to yourself that you're a moderate, uh, moderate-ish Democrat. You had yeah. been pretty tight with St. Louis Mayor Francis Slate for a while. St. Louis Mayor Francis Slate supported the Hubbards for a long time as well. So I thought when you got behind Bruce Franks, this was kind of a changing of the guard. It might have been a changing of your thinking a little bit. I'm kind of curious, considering he's your new colleague, what prompted you to do that? Because it wasn't just that you endorsed. From what I heard, you went door to door with people. You you helped out during that rematch. Mm. Like you got pretty heavily involved, and that was a, seen as a big paradigm shift in city politics. Tell me why you got involved in that. Well, I think you're right uh, that uh, I did get involved. I did go door to door. I did work at uh, the polls uh, on on election day, at rainy election day. Um, uh, I was at Merrimack School. The um, Working for uh, Bruce. Well, you know, I, you know, I, I liked H. L. Mencken's um, quote to, and I try to. I've always tried to use this um, myself to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And um, uh, Hubbard's were the comfortable folks, and they had been uh, cheating for um, many years with those absentee ballots. And anybody that looked at elections could see that. But if you don't, I was never, uh, if you don't have stand, and believe me, it didn't affect me one bit, okay? I'm not suggesting that. But uh, it affected other people, and I hate, I I have a lot of respect uh, for the our, our ability to vote for folks and any cheating any fraud really bugs me and um so this when when he, when bruce um filed his lawsuit and the judge said uh let's vote vote again you know i thought this is an opportunity to me for me to make some kind of contribution you know i think it wasn't just going door to door for me uh, and working at the polls, you know, the fact that I uh, was a um, elected, going to be an elected mm-hmm. official, uh, and he had been uh, one, and and there weren't any others out there really. Um, I think maybe helped highlight his his cause a little bit more. So yeah. I was very uh, happy to help him. I've got got to know him uh, better over the last two weeks and um, you know I think he and I are good friends and on the same page on uh, I'd say most just about every issue and, and there were some other aldermen that supported him all along Christine and Gracia and Kyra Spencer were big supporters of them but I just have to ask like if you knew that the Hubbards were n- not doing good things in absentee balloting And I've asked this to other people, too. Why wasn't there a great outcry like in 2008 or 2010 when, you know, Petty Hubbard won her state rap race or Rodney Hubbard Jr. lost narrowly? Because I think that was my biggest question. If this was happening for so long, how were they able to keep doing it for for so long? Yeah, well, I suppose the media ignored it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... uh, I know this, you, you can't file, if you don't have standing, you mm-hmm. can't file a lawsuit. That's true. And uh, so somebody like 
uh, Bruce Franks, and for, he had for, for, luckily he had a, a good attorney mm-hmm. to uh, help him in this cause. Uh, I mean, you're right; it went on t- too long, uh, but I think the results have been, uh, uh, you know, really neat. First of all, Bruce won, uh, and I think, uh, to me, I think the, I think that family's uh, political political cloud is about over. Now, just to give a little perspective without getting, uh, this has been a problem in the city of St. Louis and elsewhere, especially in the city, for decades, periodically. I mean, there was this huge, the huge uh, controversy, indictments, all that in the early 80s, you know, involving the Webby family and some others. So this is not just one family here. And maybe Maybe this time this will kind of clear up some of this, but the point is is that this has been something that has plagued the city off and on for decades. Well, when you say off and on, Joe, it's, I'd say that's, uh, uh, you know, the web, we're talking, what you're talking about with the Webbies, we're talking about the, um, we're talking about the early, mid-80s. Yes. So we're talking 30 yes. years ago. Yeah. Yes. And, and as far as I've seen. And people did get indicted and they did go to jail. Yeah, as far as I've seen, I, I hear, other than the fifth ward, I have not seen this uh, this this problem. Yeah, and then you know we'll have to see how Tamika Hubbard does in the fifth ward re-election, but that's for another time. I want to talk more broadly about city politics because even though you're entering the state legislative arena, I know that you're probably paying attention to the mayor's race and maybe some races for aldermen. I have seen through social media, as I told you before the show, that I think you are backing Lida Krusen for mayor. Is that correct, first yes, of all? Yes, that's right. And um, this is a pretty large field by historical comparison. When Tom Villa ran for mayor, I think there were only two or three or four candidates. Three. In, in the end. In yeah. the end. Three and, major candidates. And I would say right now there are seven, and there are five that are considered credible candidates for now. We'll see about Bill Haas and Jimmy Matthews in the future. So why why Elida Cruson over all the other candidates? She's clearly the best person. Uh, she she would clearly be the best mayor of those that are running. Um, you know, I say that I've, I I don't know how long. Uh, I guess I've known Elida fifteen or twenty years. As long as she's been in the board of aldermen, but you know she has a uh, she's a CPA with financial background uh, with a big. Um, uh, development company. Uh, she um, uh, she understands finances, both private and public. Uh, but on a personal level, she can get. She has got a great personal touch, and I think she would be able to um, uh, work with people from all backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think she's proven that uh, on the board of aldermen. I think she's an ideal candidate. I think she's a, I, I, if elected, I think she's going to be the best mayor that, you know, I think she's going to be a terrific mayor. Oh, well, I think way. you had to, I, I don't know if uh, St. Louis Mayor Francis Slay or any of the other living mayors listen right. to this show, so I, I well, know you, you know don't what? want to insult them. No. Uh, <laughs> I think Francis Slay's been a terrific mayor. I worked with, I worked with him, as you know, on the Board of Aldermen for many, many years when he was president of the board. Uh, and as mayor, I chaired the uh, HUDS committee, you know, which handles all the major development bills uh, during his entire uh, tenure. And uh, so 
we've been, I would say, close politically, and uh, I think, I think he really gets a. Some of the some of the news media, I really, I don't think he gets a, the uh, full. Um, I don't think they have a full appreciation of the great job that he's done under very very difficult circumstances. Well, I think that's been true sometimes of several of the long-term mayors in the city's history, many of whom, I mean, they're human, so they had their pluses and minuses. But you look back, and um, there were many significant achievements, and uh, Mayor Slay obviously deserves um, accolades for some, of, for some of his achievements, as did Mayor Tucker, who really, that's the reason we can see outside, folks, <laughs> mm-hmm. and not have it solid black at midday. Oh, well, that's It's because of Tucker. Well, I want to talk <laughs> about the dynamics of this, because you've run citywide before. You ran against two people that are running for mayor right now, Tashara Jones and Jeffrey Boyd. And there was an article in the Post-Dispatch recently about the racial dynamics of this race, that there are four African-American candidates, and there are two white candidates, but Lida Cruz is considered the only formidable one and you know i have i live in st louis hills southwest side of the city which is a heavy vote ward predominantly white i could imagine if if racial dynamics kind of go as they usually do in this election does she just have a built-in advantage because there are multiple african-american candidates and only one major white candidate or do you think it's more complex than that does she have an advantage? Um, well, first of all, let me say, I, I think we'll have to see who actually stays, who the final candidates are. That's why I have held um, off writing about that part true. because I wanted to wait till filing ended because I have yeah. seen people pull out in the last days before. That's true, and that yeah. means this analysis could be different, but continue. Right. right. Um, but, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, in the case, look, if there's... Um, uh, uh, three white candidates and one black candidate. Um, you know, there's an advantage there for the uh, African American candidate, and the reverse is uh, true. Um, you know, whether we like it or not, people. Uh, you know, the racial race comes into play. Uh, in in uh, in some yeah. instances, and that's the reason I'm bringing it up. I'm not saying that I approve of this right. occurring. I wish the Southwest Side, in a multi-candidate race, would 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 not vote along racial lines. But if you look at each citywide election, that's what happens. And yeah, but that's why, true throughout the city. That's true throughout the city, and um, you know, I think it's if we're talking about a realistic analysis of this race, I don't think we cannot talk about this. Well, now, w- when you ran for city treasurer a few years back, part of that four-person field, and there was, if I recall right, two African-Americans and two whites, but right. but your race sort of got caught up in this fight between um, uh, Congressman Lacey Clay and Congressman Russ Carnahan, who had right. been tossed into the same district. And without rehitting all that, I think the, the battle over that sort of bled down into the... Um, City yes. Treasures race, yes. which I also covered. Um, was there any experience from that? I mean, takeaway from that that you then it's brought forward as you've now going to go to Jeff City. I mean, were there takeaways from that, especially as you look at the mayor's race now? Uh, you know, not nothing new. You know, the 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 dynamics haven't really changed that much. 
over a period of um, time. Uh, I mean, I think when I when I was going into that race in 2012, uh, I I knew, you know, we had we had two concerns. Uh, one was um, the Coynihan Clay race, and how many, how that was going to affect the demographics of the voters. Yes. Okay. It's obviously it was going to bring out more African American voters, and those folks tend to vote for African American candidates. And uh, that was not going to be me. Uh, and the other was the uh, was the race uh, was the primary race in, for the U.S. Senate that year um, hmm. between Todd Ake and Sarah Steelman and John Bruner. Exactly. Right. Thank and, you. Be- because there are some because Missouri has open primaries, you have some people, not just in the city but elsewhere, but in the city we're looking at now who may be voting for Republicans for other offices who will vote in the Democratic primary, especially for city offices. Well, if the primary is the same time as this hot U.S. Senate race on the Republican side, they have to make a choice. Yes. Uh, I think that was the point you were about to make. Right. Right. So go ahead. And and I think that's an important point to bring up in this mayor's race, because if you look at, for example, the 16th Ward, which had the highest turnout, you will see a lot of people in the 16th Ward voted for Trump. I guarantee you a large percentage of those Trump voters are going to vote in the mayor's race. Now, we it, don't know for who, but, but I don't but, know yeah. for who, but to say that those votes don't matter or won't make a difference in a highly divided race is not accurate because, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're a Republican in, in, in St. Louis City, you do care who your mayor is or right. your alderman is, and you probably know it's not going to be a Republican, so mm-hmm. you vote in the Democratic primary. So mm-hmm. th- that was a long-winded backdrop, but what's kind of your take on that? Uh, on what? Oh, I don't know. Well, on, <laughs> on the fact that there's probably going to be a Republican crossover uh, in in the mayor's race, and what you experienced, like you were just talking about, how that affected the city treasurer's ba- race back in 2012 well, because of the in hot 2012 silver. there were about 6,000 Republican votes in the city, you know, and had there not been the U.S. Senate seat, uh, re- the very competitive uh, pri- Republican primary. Many of those voters would have voted Democratic, and I would think many of those voters would have voted for me. Yes. You know, I mean, that's just, we knew, I knew, and my my advisors uh, knew that those two issues, the Carnahan-Clay race and the Republican primary, were things that could cause me some trouble. And those, and they did. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was, it was consequential. Uh, but it was certainly a factor. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting history for our listeners and, to understand. And it's going to be a dynamic that's not going to be in the mayor's race. So it's important because to bring they're going to cross over. Yes, yeah. exactly. So this is why we're bringing this up in a admittedly ham-fisted way. But it's important for people to know. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm calling myself ham-fisted, <laughs> and I apologize to everybody and our guest. Well, we we want to thank you very much for coming in here and talking about you know, what you're going to be doing in Jeff City and, and city politics. Um, for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Jay Manis, J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And by the way, I go to the zoo a lot. I do too. Go ahead. And, and yeah. where, where, where can we find you on the World Wide Web or Twitter? Fred Wessels. Uh, that's it, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, Fred you, Wessels. I, that, think, I think that you, you have tweeted often about movies that you've seen and it's actually been very helpful to me because I don't see many movies very often and 
your opinion does matter. So Well, that's great to know, yeah. Jason. Thank you. It's been <laughs> so, a pleasure to be with you and Joe. All right. Well, until next time, so long. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run.